Never before has parental authority and the foundations for that authority been challenged as it's been in today's information age. This is especially true for parents raising kids in Christian homes. As the veracity and merits of God and His Word are regularly and relentlessly being attacked by our increasingly secularized culture, it's easy for our kids to presume that the standards of Christian faith are archaic and unreasonable. And there's no doubt that by secular standards, there are some tough passages of Scripture that appear troubling. So today, we'll be talking with Christian apologist Frank Turek to help shed some light on all of this. This is Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm Michelle Hill, and I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long, Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host, Trace Embry, is the founder of Shepherds Hill and author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. You know, Trace, here at Shepherds Hill, you've seen multitudes of troubled teens, kids headed for jail or the grave. And they have had their lives totally transformed. We should say God has transformed their lives. And yet largely, these miracles come after kids become convinced about the veracity of the historical Christ. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, uh, though a lot of our kids you know, have come from Christian homes, uh, our systemically mentally ill culture, largely via the Internet, has still overwhelmed uh, overwhelmed these kids with a lot of distorted information, and their parents too, for that matter, uh, if not bold-faced lies. And a big target of those online distortions and lies happens to be God and His Word. So uh, let's just put the dangers of pornography aside for a moment and, and just touch on the websites specifically designed and the programs uh, to debunk Christian faith. Uh, sites like xchristian.com, to name only one. I mean, these would actually hail the virtues of porn while assailing the hypocrisies and atrocities attributed to the church and or the Bible. Sadly, not enough parents or pastors have equipped themselves with any cogent answers to the deeper and tougher questions sparked by these sites, which are used to try to debunk our faith routinely. Uh, meanwhile, the entertainment world and the media in general regularly serve as an apologetic for the devil. So let's face it. I mean, if, if we're, if we're going to forego all the evil and fun of our sin nature, or even perceived needs for that matter, if we have functioning brains, we want to know that what we're giving up is actually worth pursuing and submitting to. And it's right here where I think it's important to note that Christian apologetics is exactly, uh, or, or is actually more of a, a gateway to a much deeper and uh, longer journey toward intimacy with the living God through Christ. Because whatever I can talk someone into, Michelle, someone else can talk them out of, especially in today's information age. At Shepherd's Hill, I found that a year of being surrounded by a community of like-minded souls who are all sold out for Jesus Christ is incalculable for living out the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? Mm. Paul calls it the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, we are going to talk about that kingdom of God and also Christian apologetics today with our guest, unlicensed to parent, who is Dr. Frank Turek. Dr. Turek is a dynamic speaker and award-winning author and co-author of five books. Frank is the president of crossexamined.org. He and his team present powerful and entertaining evidence for Christianity at churches and high schools, college campuses, secular college campuses that often begin 
hostile to his message. Frank is a widely featured guest in the media as a leading apologetics expert, and he has appeared on hundreds of radio programs and TV networks, including Licensed to Parent. Well, Frank, welcome to Licensed to Parent, brother. Thanks, Trace and Michelle. You guys are doing fabulous work. And in the introduction there, when you were talking about the fact that a lot of people and organizations on the internet are trying to talk kids out of Christianity. They're implying that there's a, a right and wrong out there. They're implying there's a mm -hmm. standard, a moral standard out there as well. Mm -hmm. And if there is no God, there is no moral, objective moral standard. It's just your opinion. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so they actually have to steal from God in order to argue against him. Mm -hmm. They actually have to say, well, this is morally right. Whoa, whoa hold on. You're saying pornography is morally right now? <laughs> By what standard is it morally right? right. Who's, you said yeah. you're foundationless. You don't have a standard unless there's some being beyond this universe who is the standard of goodness and righteousness and has authority over uh, human beings here on earth. If there is no God, everything's just a matter of opinion. Just one person's opinion against another person's opinion. So I try and call people out on this when they try and say, oh, no, Christianity is evil and this new belief system is good. Where, 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 where are you getting this from? Yeah. They're stealing it from God himself. Mm. A lot of it, too, is, is so, they coax so many people into buying into false premises like that. Uh, and they use yeah. godly terms with the devil's dictionary to do it. And it's, uh, of course. It, it's frustrating, but, uh, you know, I think so many people have, uh, have got their noses in these little digital adult toys that they've kind of lost their critical, constructive, and creative thinking capacities, and they let this stuff slip right by them. And I tell you what, mm -hmm. I, I know that it's affecting our kids' brains at the cellular level. It's affecting their DNA, and when they're away from it for an entire year, as they are here, I see that, uh, those, that some of that, uh, those brain cells rebuilding. It's, it's, it's fabulous to watch. But uh, I hate to have to ask you this, but uh, for those not familiar with the term apologetics, in a sentence, could you give us a quick definition of what Christian apologetics uh, is, is or are? Yeah, the sentence is 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an answer for the reason that you have, but mm. do this with gentleness and respect. Uh, in other words, always give an answer for the hope that you have. Give reasons why you think Christianity is true. Just do it in a way that uh, people can take it on board. In other words, don't be unnecessarily offensive. The gospel is offensive to people already. Don't be unnecessarily offensive. Tell people the truth. Give them evidence that it's indeed true. And the word apologetics actually comes from a Greek word in 1 Peter 3.15, apologia, which means to give an answer or give a reason or make a defense. And you, you've heard it used in secular context. You know, someone might say, oh, that guy's an apologist for Biden. Right. Or that guy's an apologist for Trump. You know, it's someone who's trying to make a case for his his or her particular candidate. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I'm really big on, on, on what the digital age is doing to our society as a whole, but particularly with kids. Has the information age forced Christian parents into having to field the, the kind of questions from their kids that only seasoned theologians ever had to deal with just a generation or two ago? Yeah, I think so, because, you know, a generation ago, 
much of the skepticism you wouldn't have access to unless you went to a library, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> uh, now it comes streaming through their, their phones. But what people forget, though, Trace, is that virtually every objection to the Christian faith has been addressed at some point in church history. Right. And even though it might be new to people today, uh, that, oh, if there is a good God, why is there evil? Or why did God kill the Canaanites in the Old Testament? Or what's this business about slavery in the Old Testament? People make it seem like nobody's ever addressed these questions before. In fact, so many of the high profile, whether they be pastors or more often their music leaders, you know, their worship leaders, they'll leave the faith and they'll mention things like this as if nobody in 2000 years has addressed any of these matters. Well, nobody you know? else history, period, anymore. I mean, it's not even. Yeah, no, of course not. Yeah, yeah. And, Frank and so it is a double edged sword on the iPhone or the droid or whatever, you're gonna get a lot of misinformation, True. but if you yeah. know where to look, you're gonna get a lot of good information as well. So right. the problem is kids don't know how to navigate and they get sucked into uh, bad theology, bad philosophy, uh, bad objections, which have been answered a thousand times over already. Well, too, they've been pleasured so Frank, into imbecility. And when you're pleasured in, in, into imbecility, uh, you know, yeah. then pursuing something uh, as far as God and his word is concerned, you're going to be trying to find all the loopholes out of dying to self and thinking of others uh, as greater oh, than yeah. yourself. You know, so you're going to be glad to find these these websites like uh, xchristian.com. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but does this necessarily mean that we, as parents, we now all need to have the same apologetic training and acumen as the seasoned theologians and apologists of the past? Well, yes, because uh, apologetics is not an option, it's a command. Now, obviously, mm -hmm. people are going to be better at certain aspects of the Christian faith than others. It's not like everyone's going to become an expert, but you better have a pretty good working knowledge of why Christianity is true. And you need to inoculate your kids against this nonsense when it comes up. Uh, the worst, you want to be the first person to talk to them about slavery in the Bible right. or. Uh, you know, uh, killing the Canaanites or, or whatever the issue is uh, that has been brought up. I thought Michelle had a question, though. You were trying to jump in, Michelle, and we won't let you oh. jump in. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was noticing that. I was like, I have to be rude in order to do this. Now, Frank, I'm wondering, what are you seeing? Like, what is one of or a few of the most common lies that are being fed to our kids today that they're hooking on and believing? Yeah, well, the top three objections to Christianity right now are morality, morality, and morality. That's right. mm. In other words, people have their own morality, and they think that their own morality is superior to the biblical morality. Mm -hmm. Whether yeah. it has to do with LGBTQ issues, or uh, issues in the Old Testament that we've already mentioned, or some of them think the atonement is divine child abuse. You know, they have all these moral standards that they're imposing on the text. And first of all, they don't understand what the text really means. Uh, and secondly, they have no basis for their own moral standard. Why do they think they are correct and the Bible is wrong? And so you need to call them out on these issues. So it really has to do more with, I don't like Christianity rather than, I don't think there's evidence that God exists, or I don't think there's evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. That is why the key question I always ask people on college campuses when they get up to the microphone during Q and A is, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? 
And I've had atheists stand at that microphone in front of hundreds of people and say, no. Well, there you go. No. Ooh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Why no? Why, how is it reasonable you wouldn't believe something if it were true? Because it's not a head problem. It's a heart problem. That's they right. don't want it to be true. They don't want there to be a God. Why? Because they want to be God of their, over their own lives. Yeah. They're not on a truth quest or on a happiness quest. And they're just going to believe whatever they think is going to make them happy. And the problem is you can make yourself happy over the short term doing a lot of fun but sinful and selfish things. Yet over the long term, it's a disaster. And probably many of the young people in Shepherd's Hill have recognized that already. Yeah. Right. You 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 disabuse them of the notion that they can just go about and do whatever they want and there are never any consequences. You know, there are a lot of happy pimps, perverts and prostitutes and drug addicts. They're uh -huh. happy in, in their line of work or their habits. Uh, but there's a big difference between happiness and joy. Well, we're talking with Dr. Frank Turek today on Licensed to Parent. We need to take a break. But when we come back, we'll continue talking about how to defend our faith. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherd's Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by troubledteen.org. Hi, folks. Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago when Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper -bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. To learn more about Shepherds Hill, go to licensedtoparent.org. Today, we are talking with Dr. Frank Turek, helping us understand how to defend our faith and to teach our kids to do that. And Frank, just before the break, we were talking about the lies that so many of our kids are falling for, which, as you said, it was the morality lie. And how do you equip parents in talking to our kids about that that's a lie that they're hearing from the culture. And this is what the Bible has to say. Like, help us understand that. Help parents understand. 
Well, there's a couple of tactics you can use. One is to ask a lot of questions. When people say mm. something like, oh, there's slavery in the Bible. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by slavery? Do you even know what it means in the Old Testament? Because it doesn't mean chattel slavery like we had here in the Old Testament or had, had here in America, I should say. It means indentured servitude. And then you can talk about that if you want. Uh, secondly, how did you come to that conclusion? Why do you think mm -hmm. that's true? In other words, what evidence do you have for that position? And my friend Greg Kokel wrote a great book called Tactics, which gives you some of these questions you should be asking your kids. We also have a number of these questions in the book, Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case. That's a book I wrote a few years back. And it just shows you how to interact with people on these issues. Ask a lot of questions. Also, you can play this game with your kids called Spot the Lie. Suppose you're watching some TV show or something and you see, for example, that uh, everyone is having premarital sex and there's never any negative consequences. Everybody's always happy. You can, you don't have to break out the Bible. You just have to say, Hey, what's the lie in this broadcast? Oh yeah. They're, they're, they're just having sex very casually and there's never any negative consequences. No one ever gets hurt. There's no issue here. That's the lie, right? Like you that. can just casually play spot the lie, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, you see something on the internet. What's the lie here? For new kids coming to Shepherd Hill Academy, one of their biggest objections to the existence of God and his word is that miracles don't exist. So, so let me ask you this, Frank, uh, as I often ask them, is there any other way that matter could have come into existence other than either something came from nothing or something always was? When people say they don't believe in miracles, I say, look around, you're living in one. Mm -hmm. This universe is a miracle. It came into existence out of nothing, out of... There was no space, no matter, no time. And even atheists are admitting this. Mm -hmm. They're admitting that the universe had a beginning. Well, look, ladies and gentlemen, if space, time, and matter had a beginning out of nothing, what could have caused that? Only something outside of space, time, and matter. Mm -hmm. In other words, the cause must be spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful to create the universe out of nothing, personal in order to make a choice to create because only persons can make choices. Also, the cause would have to be intelligent to have a mind to make a choice. And I always ask people, whenever you think about a spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, intelligent cause, who do you think of? God. Now, you don't know it's the Christian God at this point. I mean, it could be Allah or some other deistic or theistic God, but you have six attributes for a being that could be the God of the Bible. Now, once you investigate whether or not Jesus rose from the dead, then you can say that the same being that walked out of the tomb 1,990 years ago is the same being in whose divine nature created the universe out of nothing. And so if Genesis 1-1 is true, every other verse in the Bible is at least possible. And the evidence shows that Genesis 1-1 is indeed true, and even atheists are admitting this evidence. Now, they don't think it's God, but the question is, as you pointed out, Trace, is what else could it be? I mean, the bigger miracle would say to say this whole show popped into existence out of nothing by nothing. <laughs> I mean, do you realize that everyone believes in at least one miracle? Christians believe that mm -hmm. someone mm -hmm. created something out of nothing. Yeah. Atheists believe that no one created something mm -hmm. out of nothing. Now, which is the biggest, bigger miracle to, to believe in? You know? Right. Well, you know, Atheist. whether something came from nothing or something always was, I mean, either way, you've got a miracle or am I nutty? Yes. Yes. You, you've got a miracle somehow. And whether or not there are miracles today, that's a whole nother question. We cover it in the book. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, mm -hmm. but actually Craig Keener, who is a brilliant researcher uh, at Asbury Seminary, 
uh, did a hernia-inducing two-volume set on modern-day miracles. It's 1,100 pages. It's just called Miracles. You can look it up. And I think miracles do occur today, but there were miracles in the Bible that occurred in given time periods to confirm a revelation. So if you look at miracles in the Bible, they only occur when God is doing them through people in three time periods around Moses, Elijah and Elijah and Jesus and the apostles. Why? Because these people had new revelation that needed new confirmation. There are periods in the Bible, hundreds of years where there are no miracles. Why? Because there's no new confirmation necessary to confirm a new revelation because there is no new revelation. How do you respond to those who would say that all miracles are are undiscovered science and that one day when we meet Jesus, we're going to say, well, how, how did you uh, heal that blind guy? Or how did you raise Lazarus? Oh, I could have done that. Yeah, you could have, but you didn't know how. Is, 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 is that even possible? Well, there is no natural cause for all of nature. And the first miracle, Genesis 1-1, is the creation of nature itself. So there can't be a natural cause for all of nature. That's number one. Number two, even natural causes require intelligence. Why? Well, ask yourself, why do natural laws exist? Why do they do the same thing over and over again? Why, why is this universe so orderly, persistent, and consistent? Because there's a mind behind it. It's orderly. Even the natural laws require a lawgiver. So you're not getting away from some kind of external lawgiver, even when you look at natural laws. That's required. That's that's that. By the way, it's Aquinas's fifth argument for God, that everything's going in a direction, that there is a direction to nature. And if inanimate things don't have minds and they don't, but they reliably go in a direction, there must be an external mind directing them toward an end. And that's what we mean by God. But there, there are things that can't be proved by science that exist, that are, sure. ju that are just as valid. I'm, and I'm thinking, first and foremost, God. We can't prove God by science. Uh, but, I mean, how do, you, how do you prove that you ever had an independent idea of your own? But we know ideas exist. Oh, there are many things that are immaterial that can't be proven by science. In fact, you need these things in order to do science, like the laws of logic, mm -hmm. right? Or the laws of mathematics. You don't prove them by science. You need them in order to do science. Right. And so science presupposes metaphysical, meaning non-physical things beyond the physical entities, mm. and, 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 and including the scientist's mind. Because if the scientist is just a brain, if he is completely driven by the laws of physics, then there's no reason to believe anything he says because he's not reasoning. He's only reacting. Mm -hmm. So our very minds that we use to do science presuppose some sort of immaterial reality that can't be explained by science itself. Well, faith's another one of those things. I mean, you know... I've heard faith defined as acting on what you have a reason to believe is true. And I think a lot of That's people right. think that we don't have a reason for our faith. Um, but uh, how do we claim evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to a society that has become unreasonable? Well, yeah, how do you, uh, how do you <laughs> deal with a society that doesn't want to reason? You can ask them questions. If something were true, would you believe it? If Jesus rose from the dead, would you follow him? If there was evidence, real evidence that showed that God exists and Jesus rose from the dead, would you become a Christian? If they say no, it's not a head problem, it's a heart problem. So what can you do for them? You can pray for them. You can love them, which doesn't mean you approve of everything they do. You can plant seeds every now and then, and then you can wait. Why wait? 
because sometimes people will only come to faith when some tragedy occurs. Sometimes you only look up when you're on your back. That's right. I mean, not everybody's at the same point in their spiritual development. So why should we expect everybody to agree with us where we are right now? I didn't I didn't believe what I believe now 40 years ago. So why should I believe some 22 year old kid to believe what I believe right now? I shouldn't. Yeah. And, 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 so, and not everyone's so, bottom. Not everyone hits bottom at the same place either. And some when you hit bottom, right, the only place right. you, you're going to look is up. But defending, right. the, the, defending the existence of God seems to be much easier than defending uh, Jesus as actually being God in the flesh. In light of C.S. Lewis saying that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or a Lord, mm-hmm. how should parents respond to their kids when they say they have no problem believing that Jesus is a Category 5 lunatic? Uh, well, I would say, what evidence do you have for that? And how do you define lunatic? And why, if Jesus is a lunatic, I would say, if Jesus is a lunatic, why is Jesus of Nazareth inarguably the most influential human being in, in all history? How did this happen? And if you if you just read his words, you know he's not crazy. <laughs> right. right. In fact, we have a little book called Hollywood Heroes, how your favorite movies reveal God. And in that book, we point out that the ultimate hero is Jesus. Yeah, Hollywood puts out a lot of garbage, but when they do something that that succeeds, they've stolen it from the greatest story ever told. And the top movie blockbusters of the past 50 years, Trace, have all stolen from the story of Jesus. And the fundamental story of Jesus, the fundamental kernel of the essence of the story of Christ is sacrifice. People sacrifice themselves to save others. And that's what all the top movie blockbusters of the past 50 years have heroes that sacrifice. And Jesus sacrificed himself to save his friends. There's no greater love, he said than to lay down your life to save your friends. I would say this is one lunatic I want to follow because how do you explain all, yeah. the, all the good that's been done in his name that's over right. the centuries? Or, or that? how about that haunting in our hearts to love our neighbor as ourselves and to do unto others what we want them to do unto us? Uh, I mean, can you believe in evolution and believe the Bible at the same time? Um, it's, I, I don't know. Is it, uh, that's, that's two different well, questions. Evolution doesn't give you any sort of moral ethic other than survival of the fittest. And even Richard Dawkins said, I don't want a Darwinian morality. Well, doesn't that <laughs> legitimize racism? It does. That's, that's, why, that's why Hitler quoted from Darwin to emphasize what he wanted to do. Wow, guys, this has been a fascinating conversation that has, uh, it's ended way too quick or it needs to end because we're out of time. Frank Turek, thank you so much for your ministry. Thank you for speaking truth into our culture today. Thank you. Our ministry, by the way, is crossexamined.org for those that don't know. That's right. Crossexamined.org is Frank's website. And let me also mention his podcast, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Great title, huh? You can listen on your favorite podcast app or online at crossexamined.org. Thanks for listening to Licensed Parents today. You know, God has been so good to all of us here at Shepherd's Hill Academy, and we see His hand in all that we do. We especially see His hand in the lives of the teens that we serve and help and love back to life. You can find out about how it all got started by picking up Trace Embry's book, The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill. And since we've got an extra minute or so, let me read an excerpt from it. In one instance, a young man arrived with a terrible drug addiction. He mocked the concept of the Bible and God. And this boy ran away three different times looking for something to drink, smoke, snort, half, or inject. 
However, by the time this young man graduated from Shepherd's Hill, believe it or not, he had accepted Christ and was walking the straight and narrow. He ended up being the first and only Shepherd's Hill alumni to actually come back and work at Shepherd's Hill as a counselor. And he was a good one. There's more to Freddie's story and many more like it in the Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, available at LicensedToParent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peetz is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.